Good afternoon, everyone. It is Friday, June 2nd. And as you can see, we're back here at the MFDA offices in Jefferson City this week after having been uh, at the convention last week. We had a great convention. I hope a lot of you got to attend. For those of you that did attend, uh, keep posted. We'll be sending out an email on how you can look at the special seminar that our keynote speaker is doing for not just you, for everyone at your funeral home. Uh, we'll be able to see uh, that special seminar that's designed for helping uh, you, you know, manage uh, your work day and your mental health and all that good stuff for all your employees uh, and everybody that you work with. Uh, that'll be coming out. Uh, the information that'll be coming out soon. But everybody who gets to, who attended will get a link on how to do that. Um, as I talked last week. Uh, we, uh, we had the sad news, which I hope everyone has, has heard by now, that uh, one of our major presenters, Todd Van Beck, passed away the day after he presented at our convention. Uh, I was able to attend his uh, services in Cincinnati at the uh, Mortuary College on Saturday this past weekend, and it was a uh, very moving, wonderful service uh, that... Uh, Funeral directors from all over the country were appearing. He had a second service this past Tuesday up in Iowa, and a lot of our board members were able to get up and attend that and, and go to his actual burial up there. Uh, there you can still put tributes uh, on the website. Uh, we sent out the link at our Facebook page as well. If you have any particular memories or uh, remembrances of Todd Van Beck, I know his son had already been reading all those ones that been posted and uh, that meant a lot to him. So if you have any special remembrances or memories that you would like to post about uh, your experiences and dealings with Todd Van Beck over the years, please do take time to post those on the Funeral Home website. Uh, we'll send the link out again uh, on Monday. I think would be a good time to do that uh, in case anybody wants to do that because uh, his family was reading them all. And uh, boy, it sure meant a lot to him. Now, I promised you last week, as I talked to Todd, I'm going to talk a little bit about education in Missouri, continuing education, because that uh, was an important subject to him, something he's very passionate about, and something that we got a lot of questions about at the convention. We had a jam-packed session on Saturday before the convention for the arranger training, our uh, seminars were all attended very well. And the question that I kept getting continuously was, why do we not have continuing education in Missouri? And I'm going to get to that. But first, as always, it's the question of the week. And we've had a, a several funeral homes and a number of funeral directors calling us up about this. It has to do with your statement of goods and services. Uh, the reason I think that triggered this is uh, one of our good partners here in a company that a lot of you use, Federated Funeral Directors, uh, sent out uh, notices to their funeral homes that they were uh, needed to change, perhaps, depending on what, you, what forms you were using, what documents you were using, the uh, statement of goods and services you use for your at-need services. And we got a lot of questions about that. And I know we put this out a long time ago, but it's always good to have a refresher out there, especially when there's been a lot of questions about it, as there has been this week. Now, I know you all call this just about everybody I know calls this your statement of goods and services, and that's fine. But if you ever want to try to look this up in the regulations, there it's called the statement of charges, the written statement of charges. And you should always have, of course, you're required to have a written statement of charges. And I'm just going to tell you right here, read to you right now, 
what the Missouri regulations say the Missouri, the written statement of charges must have. And if you want to look it up yourself, it's in 20 CSR 2120-2.080. And it says right there, every Missouri licensed funeral director responsible for providing funeral services are arranging for the delivery of any funeral merchandise, okay, uh, shall give or cause to be given to the persons making such arrangements, a written statement of charges for the funeral merchandise and services selected. So it's required. You always have to do one. And at the time of need, a written statement of charges shall be completed and given to the person making the at-need arrangements. The written statement of charges shall be completed prior to the rendering of the funeral services or providing any merchandise, and at a minimum contain the following. Again, this be done before the funeral services, before the goods and services are performed. The one exception to this is you can do get your embalming authorization done prior to do this. That's one that's one thing you can do before the written of state goods statement of goods and services are done. You can go ahead and get that embalming taken care of if you have the permission to embalm. But this is what has to be on the statement of goods and services. The name and signature of the Missouri licensed funeral director responsible for making the arrangements or providing the funeral merchandise. So it needs to have both your name, type to print it out, types better because that means it's legible, and the signature. It also must have the name and address of the Missouri licensed funeral establishment in charge of the merchandise. So that makes sense. You have to have the name of the funeral home and the address of the funeral home. Then you must have the name, address, and signature of the person making the at-need arrangements. So the person who is uh, your customer, the person making those arrangements, needs to have their address on it and their signature on it. And then it also needs to have the following, the date of the signatures. So right next to where both the funeral director signs it and where the customer signs it, the date should be put in there. You need to have the name of the deceased. That also makes sense. The date of death, that needs to be on the statement of goods and services. And the price of the services selected and the price supplemental or additional items. So you need to put down the everything that they've picked out and what the prices are. And you also need to put down the amount and description of all cash advance items. So all of the price, everything that the customers picked out that they want, everything that the family wants, the casket, the funeral services, your general, your general goods and services charges, all the cash advances for flowers, obituaries, all of those prices need to be set out. Then, and here's the one that I think has been, as uh, people didn't realize is supposed to be on there, the method of payment. There needs to be a line item on your statement of goods and services that says how your customer, how the family, whoever's making these arrangements, how they're going to pay by check, by credit card. You don't have to put, the, you know, don't, don't put the credit card number on this because it's something you're going to keep around forever, but that they're paying by check, by credit card. It's coming from a pre-need. It's coming from insurance. It's okay if the put to be determined. If they've made these arrangements and you don't know exactly at that moment how they're going to be paid or they're going to owe you the money or you're going to bill them, 
that's fine. If it is really to be determined, you can put down to be determined, but you need to put something down in that item, how it is going to be paid. Um, and if you've done a pre-need contract, that's not good enough. You also need to, uh, by itself, of course, you need to have a pre-need contract. But once the person dies, now it's an at-need situation. You still want to have a statement of goods and services. All right. And that is the, the most important, one of the most important things on there is to actually have the date of the signatures on that statement of goods and services. Because when the inspectors come in, and take a look at your stuff. That's that's kind of, that's what they often do. Not always, but that's what they often do. They'll come and pull three or four statement of goods and services. Now, to be honest, I don't think they care what you sold them. I don't care they, what you charge them. But they're going to look to see where all those filled out. Is every one of those items on that statement of goods and services? And then importantly, they're going to take a look at the date that the people signed it and then cross-reference when the actual funeral was. And by golly, the date on that statement of goods and services better be before the funeral actually takes place or those goods and services are delivered. Because if it's not, that is what there's really going to be a red flag. Now, there's other things you can put on there. As a matter of fact, there's other things you should put on there. One of the things you should put on your statement of goods and services is that the person making the arrangement has received a copy of your general price list and has been shown the casket and outer burial price list. There should be a little box on there where they initial or check off or acknowledge somehow that they both either got a copy of the general price list and they were shown a copy of the casket and outer burial price list. Now, of course, you can combine those all up. That's fine. If that's how your business does that, you can have it all in one document. That's not a problem. But there needs to be something on there that acknowledges that the consumer saw that, got that, that you met the FTC rules. That's something also that's very good to have on there. Now, not required by the regulation specifically, but it's also a good idea in many instances to put the time that the people signed, the, the consumer particularly, signed the statement of goods and services. This is becoming more of an issue for direct cremations and direct burials. In the event that those could have possibly happened on the same day, and I know that doesn't happen often, but if someone comes in in the morning and arranges for a direct burial, a direct cremation, and it's going to happen before the end of that day, you're going to do the cremation that afternoon or that evening or something before a 24-hour period has elapsed, you're going to want to even have the time on there because that way there's no doubt that the consumer got this written statement before the goods and services that you're offering were provided. So that's important as well. Not necessary under the regulation, but that proves that you gave it to them before you actually performed the goods and services. And of course, you're going to want to keep those and you're going to want to make sure that they are readily available to the inspectors when they come in. So that was the that was the big topic. Uh, we had a number of calls for the, on this week about that. So uh, if you have any questions about that, please feel free to give us a holler here at the office. Be happy to walk you through these regulations. Of course, you can print it off yourself um, and uh, and uh, paste that on your <laughs> paste that on your computer or something like that. Compare it to what 
what you're using as well. Make sure that it has, at the very minimum, all of those things I listed off. Now, getting to what I promised that I would talk about both uh, to Todd and to everyone to you last week, the question is, why do we not have any continuing education in Missouri? Well, there's there's two ways, two parts to that question. One, why have we never, why do we not have it before now? And what are the chances of ever getting it in the future? Well, why we don't have it before now is, well, we, it, was ne it was never in there. We didn't have continuing education. It hasn't been in there. There has been attempts in the past to, uh, and not, not just by the association, but by other people as well, to try to push some sort of continuing education for funeral professionals in Missouri. And that's never happened. Uh, many years ago, there was a bill over at the legislature that would have required a very minimal level of continuing education, and it didn't pass. There's several reasons why that didn't pass and why going forward, it's unlikely that anything like that would ever pass. Back when that bill was was, was uh, presented to a committee over at the Capitol many years ago, the, the, the then, this long time ago, the then chairman of the State Board of Volunteers and Field Directors showed up and testified against it said we didn't need it. Oh, a half dozen years ago or so, our association floated an idea about a possible continuing education proposal. It would not have cost the state any money. It would have been very easy for everyone. It would have been very minimal. You would not, you wouldn't have been able to do it online. If you had continuing education classes that qualified in Kansas, Illinois, Iowa, anywhere else, they would have counted as well. It would have been cheap. It would have been easy. And I can tell you that the, at that time, the uh, administration of, of the state, the bureaucrats, the people who are in charge of professional and the state board, the employees of the state of Missouri, they didn't like that idea. They didn't. They didn't want to have that. They didn't think uh, that was a good thing to do, and so it never further than that as well. What's the chance of getting anything in the future? We have a brand new state board now. We have all new people that are in the office over there that are employees of the uh, Department of Press Registration. What if they have changed their mind and they support continuing education at this point? Well, I can tell you, it's still almost no chance of it happening over at the Capitol. And the reason for that is, is twofold, really. First is because both our House and our Senate are controlled by Republicans, very conservative Republicans in, in many cases. And their position has been, and it's not just for funeral professionals, it's for any profession. Their position has been very consistent. They do not want any new requirement for a profession tomorrow that didn't exist yesterday. That's considered a barrier of entry into the profession. It's not viewed as good economically or a, a good uh, for the business and for uh, just the whole philosophy of it. If there was not any requirement for a profession yesterday, they don't want it tomorrow. That's just their philosophical starting point. It applies to hairdressers, uh, physical therapists, funeral directors, you name it. If it's a profession that's out there that's regulated by the state of Missouri, the general basic feeling is that if there was any uh, 
something new that somebody wants to put on as a requirement for that profession tomorrow, and it wasn't there yesterday, it's not going to get a very, it's not going to get a good hearing. It's just not going to be supported by the most people. Now, could you fight that? If you show a really good reason that it's absolutely necessary, could you change some people's minds or at least get them to consider it? You probably could. But then we come into the next problem. And that is, um, and I'm not making any judgment here. I'm just saying this is how it is. There are a number of funeral directors in our state that oppose continuing education. They don't believe it's necessary. They believe it would be an added expense and an added burden. Many, the, the same philosophy that the Republicans at the uh, Capitol have. And our own surveys that we've done, and this is just our members, and I would say our members are much more supportive of education in general than perhaps the general population. When we have uh, surveyed our members, we have 25% of our membership that says we would not, we do not want continuing education in Missouri. So if a bill ever got supported over there, you would it got filed over there, you would have funeral directors showing up and opposing that. And just from my own personal experiences, the people who oppose any continuing education are very passionate about that and, and more passionate about that than the people who maybe, you know, they think it's a good idea, they they support it, they're uh, you know, they're fine with it, they understand the reasons for it, perhaps. But are they going to show up every day during the session and support it? Probably not. But there are some people who oppose it that would show up quite a bit and oppose it. And so there you're sitting there and put yourself in a position of a Republican chairman of one of the committees. And their general basic philosophy to begin with is that I don't want any new requirements on professions. I think the government has too many regulations as it is. I think we have too many restrictions on business and the economy as it is, their basic feeling deep down inside is, I don't think this is a great idea. And even if you convince them that, well, okay, this group of funeral directors thinks it's a good idea. Well, then they have other funeral directors coming and say, no, it's not. We don't want that. We don't need that. So you're asking uh, a legislator to go against what is probably their basic deep down gut feeling on something when the profession isn't united on it. And that's fine. If the profession's not united on it, the profession's not united on it. But that means that some uh, senator or representative over there is saying, well, why should I stick my neck out? Why should I go against my very basic principles when you folks can't even all agree on it? And, I, and I'm very certain that if a bill got submitted over there that required some sort of continuing education, there would be a number of people over there on a regular basis opposing it. And while there would be some people over there that were supporting it, you got to split. Some people want it. Some people don't want it. Why should I go out on a limb and support something that really doesn't feel right with me to begin with when I have a number of funeral directors out there that are opposing it? Well, so for better or worse, that's how it is. Um, continuing education has a lot of good things to say for it. Uh, the calls that I get here in the office times, I can tell you, boy, I wish I wish we had some sort of uh, uh, continuing education for something because we send stuff out. We try to let people know we've got the videos, we've got emails, we have our magazine and, of course, the convention where we try to keep you updated on everything.
but still the word doesn't get out to a lot of people. I've had two calls just in this last month from funeral directors that were not aware that same-sex marriage was legal in Missouri. Called up and said, well, what am I supposed to do about this? This man says he was married to this other man. How can that be? Literally, they did not know that that's legal. So, yeah, I, from my position, I can see why continuing education would be a good thing. I understand that uh, times are tough. Margins are slim. Funeral homes, funeral directors do not want to have to be spending more money to stay in business. They don't want to be required to take a lot of time off of work or shut their business down to go to a conference always. I understand that. There are ways to solve those problems, I think. But the practical matter is get, it would require a statutory change. It would require something to be passed by the legislature to require that. And it's not going to happen. It just simply is not going to happen. Maybe someday things will change. Maybe someday uh, there will be a greater consensus that it's necessary. Maybe someday the state board, who knows, we might have that now. I don't know. Maybe someday there'll be a state board that is totally behind it and a bureaucracy that's totally behind it and enough funeral directors behind it that something could happen. Maybe the Republicans, the conservative Republicans who support, who are opposed to uh, increasing regulations, maybe they aren't as much in control as they are. Who knows? You never, never say never, never say things can't change. But for the foreseeable future, there will not be continuing education requirements for funeral professionals in Missouri. Now, I know a lot of you out there probably think that's great. That's wonderful. And that's fine. Every, you know, that's, there's no problem with that's That's how you feel. But for those of you that call up and ask me at the convention, we they, they say over and over again, we need continuing education. Why can't we have it? Well, that's the reason. As a matter of fact, we fight the battle every year over at the Capitol just to keep the licensing requirements that we have. Just about every year, there's a bill submitted over at the legislature that would eliminate almost all licensing requirements for almost every profession. It's a standard bill, kind of a cookie cutter bill that's been submitted to a lot of legislators throughout the country, different states, and it would eliminate licensing for embalmers. It would eliminate licensing for hairdressers, for barbers, for physical therapists, for, you know, you name it. But the only thing they can't touch because of other rules is, are doctors and lawyers. They, they can't really touch that very easily. But for just about any other profession, accounts, everything like that, there would be no licensing requirements. That bill will get submitted every year. It's never made it very far. Uh, but the, that's a battle. We have to go over there and explain why we don't think that is a great idea, why we think there still sh should be uh, some licensing requirements in the state of Missouri for, in our case, funeral directors and bombers, but the other professions are over there as well. So uh, everybody's been successful in having that not go very, very far. And it's a fight we had every year. So if every year you're fighting just to keep what you got, don't expect to add more to it. All right. Now, uh, Again, some of you think that's a good idea. Some of you think it's a bad idea. That's fine. That's how it is. That's how the world works. And that's how the legislature works. But that is the reason that's a big discussion I had with Todd Van Beck uh, at our conference. Uh, because I'm pleased with how 
many funeral directors learn new things, learn about profession. And I think he was kind of wondering why it's a requirement like many states do. We simply do not. Well, that's what we have here for today. Um, again, if you have any questions about the uh, written statement of charges, your statement of goods and services, please give us a holler. If you have any other, of course, if you have topics you want us to cover in this um, video broadcast or in any of our publications, please let us know. Still no word yet on when the governor is going to appoint the one more member of the state board that's vacant. We expect that probably to happen sometime soon. And no word yet on when uh, signed Senate Bill 116 that takes care of the next of kin statutes and gets rid of all of those old ancient uh, regulations and laws that are on the books from the 1800s. Of course, we'll keep you posted when that happens. Look for an email on Monday. I'm going to send out a little update. Uh, going to send some pictures from the convention out, uh, update on some other things. And we'll give you an update on, I don't know if we'll have the link yet, but at least we'll explain to you, for those of you that attended the convention that registered, only people who registered are going to be able to actually log in. But we'll talk about what those of you who did attend will be able to present to the rest of your funeral home as part of the free video seminar that will be coming out in the near future. So until then, have a wonderful weekend. It's hot here, so stay cool wherever you're at. And most of all, stay safe.